0: Today I'll be preaching from the book of Ephesians chapter 6, Ephesians chapter 6 and I'll be reading from verse 10 down to verse number 18, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10 the Bible says, finally my brethren be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your precious word. We thank you for the comfort and strength that we can find in every word. Dear Lord, we come before you today needing you in a very special way. We're thankful for the fact that you're there for us Lord, and I pray that as your word goes forth today, that it would find a lodging place in every heart. I pray that you would remove any distractions, any hindrances, anything that would minimize the mighty working power of your Holy Spirit in every heart and in every life, the Lord may be eradicated from this place. Lord, I pray that your will would be accomplished. I pray that every and any lost soul would come to know you, and know the joys of sins forgiven, and that every believer would be strengthened in so many circumstances that we are dealing with as we engage and fight forces of evil. But we know and are confident that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So have your divine way. Take full control. Give me the words you love have me to say. Cleanse me of sin. Empty me of self. Fill me with your precious Holy Spirit that I may preach what thus saith the Lord, and it will be careful to give you honor, all the honor and glory and you that do your holy name. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. In the field of sports, whatever that discipline might be, far more time is spent preparing for a game that is actually spent playing the game. Players, coaching staff, managerial staff, and all of those who have a vested interest in being a part of that team, they meet for opportunities to do what's called game planning. You see, in spite of the talent pool that might exist, everyone is required to sit down and to know the approach, the strategy that will be employed or utilized to defeat the opponent. This requires an in-depth examination of the opponent, looking at their strengths, their weaknesses, And how those can be utilized for the team's advantage. It requires an in-depth understanding as well of the conditions under which the game is played. Why so much time spent in preparation to game plan? Because an inappropriate strategy can result in a team that has the better players to still lose the game. You see, my friend, strategy is important. And everybody being proverbially on the same page to execute the strategy is also vital. But let me say here today that there's another contest that is taking place that has far greater consequences than any game. This contest is in fact an all-out war. It is a war between right and wrong. It is a war between good and evil. And we've spent some time thus far examining this war. And this war, my friend, is referred to as a spiritual war. This war is a war that began in heaven when Satan rebelled against God and in his pride he wanted to be like the most high but he was then cast out along with one third of the angels and since that time my friend this war has been raging you and I are impacted by this war we see the impacts as we see the Devastation caused by sin. We see the suffering caused by sin. But I'm so glad, my friend, that in spite of the fact that this war is raging and continues to rage, that there is a solution. That God himself responded in his love and his mercy and grace. And made a provision by which his perfect and precious son would come to this earth and die on Calvary's cross to redeem mankind. Get this. God made himself available for you and for me. But this sacrificial response has left us with a choice. You see, my friend, God has made a way But in order for us to have this solution applied to our lives, we have a decision to make. We have seen this conflict for the ages and throughout the ages that we had nothing to do with. We didn't start it even though we are affected by it. But make no mistake, this conflict has left us with a choice. A choice for every man, woman, boy and girl as we are affected by this war that is raging. Last week, we examined in relation to this choice that you and I must determine our side. We must determine what side we're going to be on. My friend, no one can make that choice for you but you. But this morning, I want us to examine another aspect of our choice In that we must not only determine our choice, but we must determine our strategy. We must determine our strategy. And I could think of no better passage in the word of God to, to explore when it comes to our strategy than Ephesians chapter 6 and in the verses that we read in verse number 10 to verse number 18. And so I want us to spend some time delving into these verses because my friend, even though you are on the right side, if you want to have success, you must employ the right strategy. Thank God he has given us the strategy in his word. And so I want us to look at this and jot down first of all and note with me very importantly. In relation to the right strategy, understand you must have the right authority. The right authority. Look at verse number 10. The Bible says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Understand that the power comes from God. Notice that the power is not in us. It is in the Lord and in the power of not our might, but his might. Notice in relation to this right authority, that we must select his authority. Amen? Amen it's not our own. You know, my friend, we are no match for Satan. Just in case you were wondering, my friend, we are no match for the power of Satan. His power is above and beyond ours. We can't even see him physically. So that's an automatic disadvantage for us from the beginning. But my friend, I am so encouraged that it's not about our might. It's not about our power. It's not about our strength. It's about the power of the Lord. Amen. Amen. But our strategy has to involve putting the right person in charge. There's a famous quote that says everything rises and falls on leadership. In other words, Who is in charge matters. Who has the authority matters. If you have the wrong person in charge, your success is doomed from the very beginning. It is for this reason you look around. Teams change coaches. They change managers. They change leaders. Companies change their CEOs. Countries change their leadership. Why? Because the authority matters. Who is in charge matters. But I'm so encouraged that my friend, there is no authority above God's authority. So when we are strong in him, we are going to be as strong as we're ever going to be. This God, let me remind you, is omnipotent. This God is omniscient. And Satan is, get this, subject to his authority. Remember the story of Job? Satan had a conversation with God. And he could go no further than God would allow him. We have to have the right authority. And to have the right authority, guess what? We must be the ones to select His authority. You see, God is in control, but we have the ability to determine whether He is going to be on the throne of our lives. And so if we're going to be strong in the Lord, the first thing you and I must do by way of our choice, is to select Him as the authority in our lives. We're talking about how do we function in his power and in his might. Listen, God has given us the privilege to choose him. Wow. So we must first of all select his authority. Now here's the second thing that we must do. After selecting his authority, we must submit to his authority. You see, if we're going to function in his power and in his might, we must surrender our will to God's will. Listen, this is just logical. You cannot fight against his authority and still have his power manifested in our lives. Can you imagine having a company and there's an employee who is bucking the authority of the owner or the CEO. And everything that is being done by the company he or she does the opposite. Wants their way. Is that person going to be the one promoted to be in charge of that company? Is that person going to be the one given all the resources to get the job done? No way, no how. My friend, if we're going to function in the power of the Lord and in the power of his might, it is absolutely mandatory that if we have access to that power, that we submit to the same power. So we must select his authority and we must submit to the authority. But I love this third one. And I believe oftentimes we take for granted and we forget to do this. After selecting and submitting to his authority, here's what we must do. We must summon the authority. My friend, it means that God's power is available. But God is saying, I am here for you. But are you willing to rely on me? Are you willing to call on me to get the job done in your life? Now turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 33. And you'll understand why I say you must summon the authority. You must call the authority to function with the right authority. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 1. Look at what the Bible says. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah the second time. While he was yet shut up in the court of the prison saying, This is God speaking thus... Set the Lord, the Maker thereof, the Lord that formed it, God is letting you know of His power, His power, of His authority, of His supremacy, to establish it. The Lord is His name. I am Jehovah. God, I am in charge, I am in control, but look at what he says in verse number 3, even though I am in control, even though I can do all things, he says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. God says, if you're going to function in my power and in my might, listen, dial me. Call me. He says, I'm here for you. I'm on your side. But you keep calling everybody else who cannot fix the problem. Call me. You know why this is so important? Because, my friend, there are some people who we are calling that the problem is above their pay grade. They have not been equipped with the authority to fix the problem. And so they have already given up. I can't fix it. God is saying, I can fix it. Call me. We got to function. With the right authority, my friend. The strategy is important to have success. So back in Ephesians chapter 6, notice. First and foremost, in determining your strategy for success in this spiritual war, you must select the right authority. You must submit to this authority and you must summon the authority. Listen, it's a privilege to know I can call on God. But notice secondly, not only must we have the right authority, but we must have the right alliances. Look at verse number 12. It says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now he gives all the other things that we are to be wrestling against, against principalities and against powers and against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and we examined this in great detail when we looked at the realm of this warfare. But I want to focus your attention and draw it to the fact that Paul says, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You know what Paul was addressing? The fact that in this spiritual war, we end up fighting against the wrong people. We don't have the right alliances because we've lost sight of who the real enemy is and we are fighting against our own allies. My friend, understand very importantly that in this spiritual war, Do you know who are our allies? People. People. So while we often think think that people are the source of our problems, people are our allies in this war. And so Paul wanted us to understand, listen, you're not fighting against people. People get on my nerves, which they do. And they will. And here's the other part. You get on people's nerves too. So Paul says, as much as your nerves are on edge and you got the last one left, listen, people are not your enemy. They are the alliances. They are the ones who you have to be working with in this war. So here's what we got to do. In having the right alliances, we got to prioritize Listen to me well. We got to prioritize people. We got to prioritize relationships. You see, my friend, we got to value relationships that reinforce our ability to fight. Here's the reality about this thing in prioritizing. There are some people who are hurting your ability to fight. But here's what's so critical about understanding who our allies are. That we are to function in such a way that even our enemies can become allies in this spiritual war. You say, what? My enemies can become my allies. My enemies can become assets. My enemies can become helpers to fight? I say absolutely, 100% categorically yes. Y'all are real quiet. Think of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was an enemy of the church. The apostle Paul was an enemy of God. The apostle Paul was one who fought actively. He led the fight against the church. He was there standing with, 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 with the, the clothes of Stephen at his feet. He authorized the first execution of Stephen, the first martyr of the church. You talk about an enemy. He was on his way to Damascus to do and create some more havoc in the church. But God interrupted him on the road to Damascus. And the apostle Paul became the greatest Christian, the greatest missionary who would reach and he would be an ally of the church. And write over one half of the New Testament, an enemy became an ally. the same one who wrote Ephesians 6. You tell me that your enemy cannot become an ally. My friend, we have to engage and have the right alliances if we're going to win this spiritual war. People are not the enemy. Now, people can be used by the enemy. But that's why we got to think bigger. We got to think wiser. We got to prioritize. But here's what we have to do in having the right alliances we got to protect. You know, one of the things I find, we're not protective enough of people. Don't let your ally be destroyed. Why? They're not the enemy. You see what happens, my friend, if we continue losing allies. We put ourselves in a disadvantageous position. That's why Paul said in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 and 2, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of Meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It means that we have to think with a people centered mindset. Why? That's not the real enemy. That's an ally. And if they're not functioning like an ally, that's the potential ally. So we got to preserve we got to protect. we got to prioritize and we have to preserve. What do I mean by preserve? Don't let Satan destroy alliances that will aid you. You know why Satan is such a master strategizer? And he's such a deceiver that Satan knows how to start confusion in the ranks. And he does it actively. He knows how to start mess between you and your spouse. He knows how to start confusion between you and your children. He knows how to start confusion in the church of the living God. He knows how to start fires. And he knows once he starts the fire and he leaves enough oil he's going to have the same allies who are going to take up the oil and throw it on the fire while he's doing something else somewhere else. That's how he functions. So we got to wise up. We have to understand that we must function in in a way to preserve our allies. One of the ways to do that, my friend, work out your issues with each other. When issues of conflict arise with you and your spouse, work it out. You and your family members work it out. Get rid of pride and arrogance. Talk about the issue. Reconcile. Try to shore up those gaps, those areas where Satan can use them to cause division. That's why we have Matthew 18 in the Word of God. If you have a conflict with another brother, another sister, the Bible says, go to them, work it out. Why? We got to preserve. Why? They're not the enemies. You see, Paul knew that in any war, sometimes there are wars that happen within the ranks. An internal wrangling makes everything so much easier for the enemy. You know what's such a tragedy with with internal wrangling and conflict? When we ought to be using our time, our effort, our resources to defeat the enemy, we are using those same time, effort, and resources to destroy each other. So, if we're going to strategize in this war for success, we must have the right authority. We must have the right allies. But notice, thirdly, we must have the right armor. Now look back at verse number 11. And notice how this is emphasized. It is repeated because of the importance of it in relation to our strategy. Look at verse number 11. It says, put on the whole armor of God. That he may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Look at verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. That he may be able to stand. withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand. My friend, when it comes to our strategy. We must have the right armor. Notice in these verses that we have to have the armor on in its entirety. My friend, we cannot afford to omit any part of this armor. Doing so would leave us susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. Understand that, listen, this enemy is smart. This enemy is cunning. And wherever you and I are vulnerable, that's where the enemy is going to attack. That is why we must, we must, we must put on the whole armor. Not part of the armor feeling good, but the whole armor. Let me use an analogy. In cricket, if the bowler knows that you can't play the ball off your legs. Where do you think he's going to bowl? He's going to bowl right on your legs. He don't care how good you could play outside off. He's going to bowl where you are vulnerable. If you're susceptible to the ball outside off, guess what? He's not going to bowl somewhere else. He's going to bowl where you're vulnerable. If he knows you can't play the short ball, listen, that's the wall. He's going to constantly bowl to you. So what has to be the response to that cricketer? Strengthen the weak areas. Strengthen the areas where you're weak. To ensure that there are no vulnerabilities, my friend, when it comes to the spiritual war, we must put on the whole armor, we must have on the armor in its entirety, and understand the great thing about this armor, my friend. If you notice the verses, it is an effective armor, amen. amen? amen. It gets the job done. Look at what he says, it says in verse number 11. That he may be able to what? Stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 13 that he may be able to be wits to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. This armor will work. And here's why it's so important to put on the whole armor. You don't know where the attacks is gonna come from. So let's look at this armor and the aspects of it that we must employ. Notice in verse number 14, it says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Here's what we must put on in this armor. We must put on truth, my friend. Truth protects the loins. It says to... The, 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 Stand and having your loins girth. What's the loins? The loins is the middle section area. The area of great vulnerability. You see, when people were attacked, they were attacked oftentimes in their loins. If you're attacked in your loins, you will go down. And so you protect your loins, spiritually speaking, with truth. You see my friend, without truth we cannot stand. Truth girds you up. Truth allows you to be on your feet. And so the Apostle Paul says listen, gird up your loins stand firm, but you're only going to do so when you're standing on truth. But notice the next aspect of this armor. It is righteousness it says and having on the breastplate of righteousness why is righteousness a breastplate because the breastplate protects the heart the breastplate protects those vital area and it's referred to as the breastplate of righteousness because our heart has been cleansed from sin because of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You see, my friend, God cleanses us at the heart level. And so the Apostle Paul says to put on the breastplate of righteousness. Notice that this righteousness is not self-righteousness, but it's righteousness that has been given to us by God himself when we place our faith and trust in him. We must have on the whole armor. Truth, righteousness. But notice thirdly, the gospel of peace. Verse 15 says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You say, what does this have to do with the armor? You see, my friend, direction in life, our direction in life must be towards promoting and spreading and prioritizing the gospel message. You say, why is this so important in the spiritual war? Because when we are prioritizing the message of spreading the gospel, when we understand our mission, then we know and understand what we should be doing, where should we should be going. You see, many people are wondering aimlessly not going in the right places, not doing the right things because the gospel message is no longer important. You see, and when we discard the mission of spreading the gospel, we wander into places where we shouldn't be and we become susceptible to the enemy. But when our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, guess we find ourselves in the right places doing God's will. And that's so important in having on the right armor. But notice fourthly, the importance of faith. I love this in verse number 16. 15, 16, yes. It says, above all. It means, listen, there's some elevated importance to this aspect of the armor. Every aspect is important, but look at this. Above all, taking the shield of faith. What does the shield do? A shield is that part of the armor that you bring up in response to an attack. You see, you don't know where the enemy is going to fire those darts from. But you have your shield and you notice it's coming from the right side. So you put up that shield. You notice it's coming from the left side. You didn't know it was coming, but you saw it and you put up that shield you know what is it's coming from the front you put up that shield wherever it's coming from you put up that shield God is saying to us by way of this spiritual armor my friend this matter of faith listen life is uncertain we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow we don't know what news we're going to receive down the line but we understand that once I have the shield of faith listen the shield of faith is going to allow me to withstand not just some of his attacks but every single one can you imagine not having a shield and it says to God God I'm going to trust you in every situation that's going to be my defense no matter what happens You see, my friend, if we don't have faith and confidence in God, then the uncertainty of life will cause us to lose our joy. It will cause us to lose our peace. It will cause us to lose our hope. But when we have faith, we will have peace. We will have joy. We will have hope. Because no matter what Satan tries, my shield is going to withstand your attacks. Then he says, the helmet of salvation. You see, the helmet protects the head. And salvation is our helmet because our head, physically speaking, houses our brain. See, our brain is the control center from which every decision is made. To use a technological uh, 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 illustration, you think of the computer. And the computer functions, no matter all the different devices and the peripherals that you have, it's not going to function unless you have an operating system. The gift of salvation is the basis from which we are able to even fight. It's because of salvation that we can be engaged in the spiritual war. That's why 2 Corinthians 517 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When I have salvation, my entire armor is useful. You see, without salvation, you're not even in the right army. So we must have the helmet of salvation. We must have the right authority. We must have the right alliances. We must have the right armor. But notice fourthly, we must have the right artillery. Notice verse number 17, the latter part. It says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of of God. Now note with me here that my friend, if you're going to be in a war, if you're in a sport, you're in a competitive environment, if you're going to win the war, you cannot always be playing defense. You see, every aspect of the armor that we have spoken about thus far is all to protect us from the attacks. That's necessary. That's vital for our safety. That's vital for our protection. But my friend, if you're going to be in a war, guess what? You can't always be backing up. You can't always be playing defense. You can't always be protecting yourself from the attacks. There's a point in the war that guess what? You got to go on the attack. Can you imagine being in a basketball game and the only thing you do is blocking shots? Hey, why I block your shot. I block your next shot. Well, what point are you going to score the ball? My friend, when it comes to this spiritual war, we have got to do some scoring. We have got to get on the offensive and we do it with the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Which means that we got to know the Bible. We got to use the Bible. We got to get in the word of God. We got to stay in the word of God. We got to know how to use it. We have to have the right artillery. And I'm so glad that in addition to the power of the word of God, that we have another offensive weapon and it is the power we have through prayer. Listen, he says here, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Then he continues, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. My friend, when it comes to a matter of offense, prayer is powerful. Prayer is potent. Prayer is amazing in in accomplishing and defeating the forces of evil. James says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It is no wonder that our track record of victory is oftentimes so anemic. Because when our time designated for prayer should be when the churches are filled, it's when the churches are three-quarter empty. And we wonder why we stagger and fall and trip at the attacks of the enemy. We've taken our offensive weapons and Allow them to rust, spiritually speaking. When God is saying that I've given you what you need to fight and to fight victoriously. We have to engage and embrace the right artillery. But notice finally, we must have the right approach. Look at the latter part of verse 18. After giving everything that we need by way of strategy, the right authority, the right alliances, the right armor, the right artillery, he says the right approach is to be watchful, to be vigilant. He says, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. My friend, what's our approach in this war? Don't be nonchalant. Don't be naive. Be vigilant. Be diligent. Be watchful. Satan is a liar and he tries every way that he can to devour and to bring us down. We must be mindful of his strategy and understand that he's out to destroy I've said this so many times before, but it's worth saying it again. The devil is not your friend. Don't treat him like that. Right. He has nothing good. Right. So whatever he does, be suspicious of everything. we got to be vigilant. He says, watch. Keep your eyes open, spiritually speaking. With all perseverance. Meaning, This is not time to back down. This is not time to back up. This is not time to slow down. Whatever it is you are doing in fighting this spiritual war, listen, it's time to get into another gear. It doesn't matter what he throws. Satan has stepped up his game, if you haven't noticed. And with his game stepped up, we got to step up our game and be vigilant and watchful with all perseverance. And my friend, when we embrace the right strategy, we can be assured of success. We must determine what strategy we're going to employ. Let's employ a winning strategy and know that God is able. And when we embrace what God has said, guess what? Our success rate is going to be 100%. You realize that? Thank God that he's able. So let's examine our strategy. Let's do so honestly. Do do you have on the whole armor? Are you functioning with part of the armor and wondering why you're being attacked in those weak areas? That's just natural strategy of the enemy. Let's let's place God in his rightful place in our hearts and lives. We cannot fight in his power and in his strength and then dismiss his authority. It does not work. Let's not fight against each other. Let's protect our alliances. Somebody gets on your nerves, maybe have a conversation with them. Let them know in love. But work it out. That's an alliance you cannot afford to lose. We're hurting our chances when we discard the very alliances that should benefit us. Let's put on the whole armor. Every aspect of it. Let's utilize the artillery that we have. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and prayer. And let's be vigilant in our approach. And I tell you, when we do that, we shall be able to stand and stand firm in this war and know with all assurance that God is able to help us to fight and to fight to win.